Thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you a part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. Come on, thank the Lord this morning for the sacrifice He's made. He's worthy. Amen. Come on, church. Y'all give him praise like you mean it this morning. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. Man, we are super thankful for the cross. Thankful that when I was not even looking for him, he pursued me. Amen. That when I was yet a sinner, the Bible says in Romans 5, that Christ died for me. He didn't wait for me to clean my act up. I want to tell you today that if you've come here looking for an answer, that answer has a name, and that name is Jesus. If you're looking for fulfillment, that fulfillment has a name, and that name is Jesus. I believe with all of my heart that every person, every man, woman, boy, or girl has a God-sized hole in their heart and only can be filled by the presence of the Holy Spirit through knowing Jesus personally. I'm thankful today that the book of Acts chapter 15, at the end of the Jerusalem Council, when all of the religious crowd came forth and said, you know, we these new people, these new Gentiles, they unchurched people of the day. They were called dogs. They were the ones that no one wanted. And the Judaizers, the religious crowd, the Pharisee of the day, the self-righteous ones, the religious people came forward and said, you know, they got to live by the law the way we did. They got to be circumcised. They got to eat the right foods. They got to do this. And they listed this whole gravity of laws. And I love what Peter stood up and said. He said, you know, we, we tried that and, and our whole history proves that we could not keep that. Matter of fact, I submit to you today that the law never was intended to save anyone, but to rather prove to us that we needed a Savior. To prove to us that it was our weakness in which God would show up. And I love in Acts chapter 15, the verse that really speaks of the decree of the outflow, the outcome of the Jerusalem Council, in which case Jesus' half-brother, James, stood up and said this very profound, very simple, but literally unforgettable statement. And he said this. He said, here's what I believe we ought to do. I believe we should not make it complicated for people to come know Jesus. Man, don't you think that's testimony today to who I think we ought to be as a church? That when people walk through the doors of our life and our churches and people that we past coming and going in this thing we call the faith walk, the journey of our faith. I tell our staff and our church as often as they'll listen to me say this, I believe people come into the house of God looking for reasons not to come back. And my God, I want to be a church that does not give them one. I want us to not make it complicated and not make it difficult for people to know Jesus. How do we do that? I don't believe we just simply discount the, the aspect of God's wrath. I believe the Bible is very clear that we should speak to the whole counsel of God. That by not knowing a Savior, by not accepting the free gift of life, we are doomed already. Mark, that doesn't that make me feel good, Mark. I, I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. Well, here's the reality. You might be a pretty good guy and a pretty good gal, but you're depraved and separated from God. Not because you're a bad person, but because you inherited sin in your life. When Adam fell in the garden, my friend, that's what broke the the chain that locked us to God. And we were hanging with him and we went into hiding from him. 
And we have followed that pattern throughout today. We're running from God. And as we run from God, we run to the things of this world to try to satisfy only that which God can satisfy. And then Jesus came. And it was by that unmerited favor, not because you deserve it, but because he's worthy. Not because you're perfect, but because he's righteous. Not because you could ever in yourself do it, but because he did it for you. That we come to know him because he made himself known. The Bible says in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in in verse 13, 14, 15, it says, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. That word was Jesus. And we got to know him. He became a God that was no longer out there in the cosmos, personified in this strong, almost unintelligible voice from heaven, but he became a God that could be known, one that could be felt, one that could be experienced, one that would save the world from their sins. Maybe you're watching today on Facebook Live. We welcome you, our online campus, to say, man, God brought you to this very page for this very moment to hear this. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. I always say this on our baptism services that maybe you came in here today to watch your loved one to be baptized, but I submit to you, my friend, unapologetically, that I believe you came for more. I believe God has a word for you. I believe like I saw God move this Friday at about 2 p.m. in a funeral service for a boy that no doubt in our finite mind, died before his time, 37 years old. A man named Bubba Portwood. That really blew me away because I'm like, I have not seen so many people gather at a time of loss in quite some time. And man, I, I went out there Thursday night and I saw the families coming and going and the friends and the people gathered out front in Coggins Funeral Home. And I began to pray on Thursday night. My wife's out of town and I was just praying. I was like, God, give me a word, man. Give me a word for these. That's why I talk. That's why I pray. It's just very real. God, just give me a word for the people that will come and that will attend this. And in spite of me, God spoke to his people. 43 people gave their life to Jesus in a funeral setting. All for the glory, all because of, all for. And and, and I say that, and I say that because I, I believe there's no doubt in my mind that somebody in this room could sit there, somebody watching, and I say this respectfully because I, I get it, but somebody will rebut that and their retort will be, do you really think that by praying some simple prayer that they got saved. Here's what I believe. October the 29th, 1992. I was drinking. I wasn't looking for God. I didn't want any part of it. I was so indifferent to the gospel. It's a good guy. I assure you, I was a good guy at that moment. My wife invited me to an event, a place where the gospel would be preached, unbeknownst to me. And man, God rocked my world. I became fearful of my life and my eternity. 
And on that day, I prayed a simple prayer, my friend. I didn't shake some preacher's hand. I didn't join a church or put my name on a roll. I didn't stand up and wax eloquent on all the words and know the Bible. I didn't even know how many books there were. But I bowed my head in my heart, and in faith, I said, Jesus, save me. I have failed you. And I'm asking you to save me. And on that moment, that night, through a simple prayer, the conduit by which we speak to a holy God, he saved me. Wish I could tell you that I didn't make any more mistakes at that point. But how many of you know out there that in fact the reality is, is not only does he save me, but he wants to sanctify me. He wants to make me better. He wants to heal me every day. How many of you know we still make mistakes even though we're a child of the most high God? And then for one of you that might be sitting out there and say, well, you know what though, but I used to be saved. Let me tell you something, my friend. How many of y'all have have kids? How many of y'all have kids? Keep your hands up if your kids have ever irritated you in any kind of way. Can I get a witness? Two hands went up on several of you guys. Foot. (laughs) Stare a hole through me and hear my heart. As mad as we can get in our finite humanity at our children for doing things that are completely and utterly, utterly ridiculous. I ask you this one question. What could he or she do that would make you look at them and say, you're no longer my child? Life nor death, nor principality could separate you from loving your child. I know a woman whose son committed murder, was put on death row. I know her personally. And that mother, for many, many, many years, did not miss a day to go see her precious son. Do you know why? Because that was still her boy. If you, in your imperfect, finite, human form, can love your child that way, How much more can your Father in heaven love you in your failures? Do you want to know know what my failures tell me? Not only did I need Jesus, I need him every hour. I need him every moment of every day. My prayers today are no longer God is great, God is good. My prayers now are just a consistent conversation, supplication, and crying out to a holy God with no end just a bunch of commas from moment to moment to moment. The people that you're about to see today share their story. They're living in fulfillment to what God has called us through Jesus to keep two sacraments and only two. And one is the Lord's Supper, the communion, whereby we remember the precious body of Jesus Christ that was broken willingly for my sin and for yours. The cup of the new wrath of the co- I mean, the new covenant of his blood, Jesus Christ's blood that was spilled on that cross for you and for me, for every person who would believe. Whosoever will, let him come. And we reflect that upon the great celebration of Holy Communion of Lord's Supper. The second sacrament and only other one that Jesus told us to keep is baptism. There may be a misnomer in some of your hearts today that baptism is something you did as an infant. I get it. I've studied the world religions. I totally understand. Not going to debate that with you. But I want you to hear my heart here today. Baptism, according to Jesus' teaching, was not about something someone did to you. It was about what you chose to do through your faith and your willingness to make a public profession of that faith to tell the world externally what you had already done internally. And oh my goodness, shame on us 
shame on us for allowing a baptism time to be something we tack on to the end of a service, but rather making it the epicenter, the reason we gather today. Because there is no message that I or Tyler or David or Keith or any pastor in this room or any teacher could ever preach that is going to be as profound as a person in front of their peers getting up, stepping into a pool of water, as did Jesus, and say, I confess Jesus before men. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That is foolishness to those who don't believe, but is the power unto salvation for those who have and choose to believe. So two things I ask you to do when we take this next step. Ask you to open your heart. Ask you to open your mind. Open your eyes. Where do you stand today? What they'll do here in a moment doesn't wash away any sin from their life. That happened the moment, the millisecond that they accepted the finished work of the cross, totally forgiven. Their sin cast as far as the east is from the west. Getting in this pool merely says, I declare that openly, unashamedly. The greatest message ever preached. I was dead and now I'm alive. I think that's a message worth preaching, don't you? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, that you would honor this time of our feeble representation of what it truly means to be baptized. To not just literally dip ourselves into the emotion of Christianity, but to be fully immersed in the person, in the hope, in the ways and the love of Jesus Christ who died for me, that I want to be all in, that I want to be surrounded by your love and your hope. As you told the apostle Peter when he said, you cannot wash my feet, you told him that day, Jesus, at that supper, that if you would not allow him to be washed in his feet, that he could have no part of you. And his retort was not only my feet, but my head and my body also. God, I pray today you would prompt, provoke, stir up the hearts of your church today to know that this moment is about that declaration of being fully submersed in your love. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all of God's children said amen. It's making all things new. And while you're still standing, if you know us around here, man, we just want to back up and let the Holy Spirit move. And virtually every time since one young man decided to make a step of faith. I think Berkeley Rickstraw was one of the first ones. And Stephanie Weed followed suit and several others. And last time, man, we had several. So I, I just want to put it out there for you. We believe with all of our heart the way that the Holy Spirit works in the still small voice of God speaking to hearts of men and women. That maybe today you came to watch someone else's testimony, but it has provoked you. The Bible says that we're to stir up one another unto good works. So maybe your heart's been stirred today. Maybe you would like to follow the Lord and be believers baptism. Maybe you're standing here today and you're not certain of your salvation. So I want to give you that moment to know Jesus is the Lord of your life. Casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Do you know that you know that you know that you have Jesus in your heart? That you have heaven for a home. If you're not certain of that. I want to ask everyone in this room to bow your heads and your hearts with me for just a moment. Doing business with God. If you can't go to a time and a place where not only you prayed and gave your life to Jesus, but there was life change. 
that that encounter changed you. Maybe today is the day. In fact, the scripture tells us the day, today is the day of salvation. Not promised another moment, another second in this life. What if, what if today was the day that it all shifted for you? Would you pray with me if you're not certain of your salvation? And invite Jesus into your heart and your life today. Father in heaven, pray that with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but Father in heaven, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed.